Welcome to Complexified, where religion and politics collide with real life. We're your hosts, Amanda Henderson and Lex Dunbar. Welcome to season three. We are so excited to be back and to reconnect with everyone. It feels like we've been gone for so long. I know. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We are ready here at Complexified to jump right into the new year. We have some exciting things planned for the next couple months. So first, Lex and I were just talking about some of the changes that we are making as we go into the new year. Lex, what are you going to change this year? You know, I'm really trying to get some summer muscles. Summer muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm calling it. Summer muscles. I like it. Now, what are you doing to get those? Yeah, yoga and lifting weights. Shout out to the Peloton app. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we can get some sponsorship there. Right, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's been really fun. I'm in so much pain, but it's great. Yeah, that sounds like it hurts. What about you? I am doing um, the JERF diet, J-E-R-F. I read about it and I was like, that sounds like something I can do. What is that? It is the Just Eat Real Foods. Oh, so like chicken nuggets. Um, No, no, not like chicken nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like vegetables and meat. The biggest obstacle for me is puff Cheetos. So I'm trying to cut those out and um, eat more real foods. Um, Have fun with that. I'll be eating chicken nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) We are talking about change this season. And as we go into the new year and we're thinking about what are we changing in our own lives? So many of us at the beginning of the year, take time for reflection, look back on the past year. So we have been thinking about change. And as we start talking about change, one of our favorite authors came up. And this quote, Lex, tell us the quote. Yeah. So this quote is from the fantastic Octavia E. Butler. Um, And it says, all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. And that's from her Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents book. Seriously, one of my favorites. I feel like that quote captures so much of Mm -hmm. how I've experienced change in that, one, I think we are always changing. And whether we want to or not, it's not a matter of... Uh, like judgment on how we're changing. Right. And I think about all of the people that I've met over the years and how they have changed who I am, how Mm -hmm. I think, how I see the world, Mm -hmm. how I live. Yeah. How we engage with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the quote and one of the reasons why I was like, we should really, I loved your topic on change. And I'm like, we should add this quote to it is because the last part Goddess change Mm. is so powerful and convicting, but also inviting to um, 
and contradictory to to what I grew up understanding about God, right? You know, God is the unchanging changer or, mm. you know, God never changed and never changes their mind and all that. And, and so this quote for me really like pushes up against that um, because if the world is always changing, if I'm always changing, right? Like Dr. Leith said in a couple episodes, the cells of my body aren't even the same that they were a few yeah. years ago. Then why would we not think that God also changed in the way that we understand God? And then how does that influence our day to day and in our relationships and the way that we hold so tightly for things to always be the same because that's how they always been? Yeah, that is so on point. I, I think about where these ideas came from, that mm-hmm. God does not change, this immutability of God. There are these doctrines from the fourth century that say that God is all-knowing and never changing. And mm-hmm. and we put these ideas on uh, our understanding of God, as well as our understanding of each other and how the world should be. Right. I think that some of these notions of God as not changing become so embedded in how I expect an institution to be. So mm-hmm. these ideas of like the church will never change. Our constitution will never right. change. Right. Uh, my family will never change. Right. My partner will never change. How dysfunctional are those ideas and how much not not just dysfunctional but how much damage have those ideas done right it, rather than an alternative yeah they keep us stuck in unable to experience life in different ways i think you know if we kind of go in the hierarchy of change if god never changed and like you said you know the constitution never changed my family never changed when things come up that are very different that either the bible doesn't speak to or the constitution Mm. doesn't speak to or the way that my family has navigated relationships doesn't speak to if i'm not open to change then i'm stuck right and like think about this the the sorts of uh mental turmoil right that 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 puts you through because you can't open your mind to something different and i want to acknowledge the fear right that change um kind of produces in all of us but it's also scary to be doing the same thing and not getting the results that you want, right? So like, right? Wh- boring which too. one is worse and boring, <laughs> right? And like, which one is worse? Yeah, it is so true that I think that when we have this false notion that it's possible for things to not change, then it kind of lets us off the hook in needing to engage and needing to think think and needing to discern and, you know, thinking, I wish things were the way they were or stayed the way they they were. That's kind of a cop out oh, to yeah. doing the real work of navigating life in front of us mm-hmm. and around us and mm-hmm. uh, within us mm-hmm. and accepting it and thinking, OK, what do I want in this moment? What do I want in this relationship? What do we want our community to be like? Instead of just looking to the past, really asking, what do we want? What do we need? Mm -hmm. What do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I best support you and care for you as another human being? That these 
questions we are able to ignore if all we are concerned about is with either you know maintaining the status quo right. or keeping things the way they are right and who who benefits from the lack of change there you go. other there than you go. those who are in power right like if i am in power i hold all the power whether it's social political economic whatever it is not beneficial for things to change right because then that affects the amount or the level of power that i have versus if i believe that things are changing and they should change and change is good and it pushes us right into deeper relationships into seeing the world better into showing up as advocates and so forth and so on right then that also means that there has to be a shift and a change in power right if that doesn't happen then we're kind of just stuck doing the same thing over and over again and it only benefits those for whom um, don't need to change because it works for them yeah so true okay so what about change that isn't great. Um, like I'm thinking about aging. I'm thinking mm. about Alzheimer's and and the process of our bodies falling apart while we are in them, right? Like these are also inevitabilities. Mm-hmm. We will all die. Our bodies will all, um, you know, your, your summer muscles will one day be aging muscles. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And how do we navigate change that is inevitably painful? Yeah, I guess it's even going back to the quote of just remembering the truth that like change is the only lasting truth, right? Like things are going to change. My body is going to slow down. My mind might slow down, right? The way that I function in the world will change eventually, right? Because I won't have as much steam or so forth and so on. And so I think when we are able to be less clingy about this idea that things shouldn't change and I want everything to stay the same, that one, that's just not how the world works, right? And so if we're able to open ourselves up to the truth of that, I think all we can do is just accept it, right? Accept mm-hmm. that change is going to happen and invite it. Because even you're saying like, well, what about negative change? And then you said like aging. Is that a negative change? Yeah, right? great question. Like, yeah, there's my assumption. Well, I don't want to lose my mind. For I, sure. Yeah. It's a real fear. Like there's fears around that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And though aging itself isn't necessarily a bad change, right? Like it is so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving aging. Let me tell right, you. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love being in my thirties versus being yeah. in my twenties, right? Like I feel more confident and sure of myself, but I had to change, right? Like I had to change my mind. I had to change the way that I engaged. I had to change how I viewed the world, right? How I view power, how yeah. I viewed oppression. I think that uh, under my question is this element of, how we judge change mm. as either positive or negative. Like, you know, we started with talking about our, our hopes for the new year, that so often those are things that have this perceived um, benefit to ourselves or to others, like this this cultural assumption of mm-hmm. positive value of that. And then there are also changes that collectively we have decided are negative, like something like aging or losing money or like failing at things. These are also all changes, but most people don't set a goal at the beginning of the year. I'm going to go bankrupt this year, right? right? right. Like, but that's a change. Right. And, and so how do we navigate 
as Octavia Butler says, that the only lasting truth is change. When you accept that change will happen, then you can let go of that clinging to the way things are or to some level of control. That's what it's about. And that that moves you to a different level of... I think internal peace for me, like I'm, I'm a lot more relaxed when I realize change is inevitable mm-hmm. and positive change, right. perceived negative change, right. those things are inevitable rather than trying to keep them from happening, learn better tools and techniques to navigate change. And that's what it's about, navigating it. Yeah. And I think you can only navigate it when you've accepted that it's inevitable. Yes. And this is, I think, why I really have struggled with some of the political discourse. Specifically, we spent a lot of time last, uh, the last couple of seasons, talking about abortion and the end of Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs decision. Because in that decision, Samuel Alito quoted and drew upon norms and beliefs from the 14th century and on you know laws from the 1600s 1700s at that time you know <laughs> black folks were three-fifths of a person women right. are, were property didn't have a right to <laughs> right. vote like neither these, of us would be having this yeah, conversation right having now this conversation. So nor were we really, thought of in those yeah, like no, laws and things no so are we so set on not changing or this idea of constitutional originalism, which I really, if I don't understand. So if somebody really understands that, chime in, tell me all about it. I do not understand how that is a thing. Um, Rather than accepting the world changes, let's figure it out. Let's ask the harder questions about what do we need now and how do we navigate the inevitable changes of our culture, of ourselves, of... uh, our environment of technology, how do we navigate them rather than expecting them to not change? Yeah, I I go back to the question of power. It's this fear of giving a position and power. Thinking about the Constitution, it's like, well, if it wasn't meant to change, then there wouldn't be any amendments <laughs> allowed, right? Like, it opens itself up even to be changed in those quote-unquote original documents, right, that neither of us were seen as full people when they were constructed. Um, And so, yeah, it's about power. It's about control. It's fear. Um, and, and, And the reality of it is, is that we don't have much control. And so I think that's the other part of it is this realization of, like, if I open myself up to change, I am ushering myself into this ability to see that there aren't many things that I can control in life and change is going to happen regardless. And that's terrifying. And so if I keep this illusion of power and control, if I keep those lenses on and then in some way I feel right, like I'm in control of this, Um, which is just like, that's a really sad way to live. Right. And it's exhausting. Um, Because again, it's gonna happen regardless. And so what do we do with that? How do we open ourselves up? And I think some of our episodes are really gonna get into that, like the how-to and the tools that we need um, and the other ideologies and religions that will help us be able to open up ourselves to change. 
Was there a time in your life when you came to understand your own personal change or change around you in a new way? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest that's foremost in my head right now is because it's a constant change um, is in my gender identity and realizing that I never fit this mold of kind of what a woman was in, in the gender sense. And that was terrifying, <laughs> especially as a person who had done so much work to try to love themselves as a black woman and to be like, but that still doesn't fit. And then like starting testosterone and all of these other changes that are happening in my body. That's like, you know, from one week to the next, I look a little bit different. I sound a little bit different. And those changes are happening rapidly. Right. And it is terrifying at the beginning. And I think now being almost a year into gender identity and to transition, I feel even more open to change because I'm seeing it happen and it's less scary feeling. than I thought. I'm feeling it happen, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm finding more of a home in my own body in the consistent changes. And so I think that is what helps me kind of loosen my grip on this, on the topic of change, whether it's in my own body or in the world, because it's like, yeah, this is scary, but this has been really cool. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm misgendered and all those other things, like those things suck. And mm-hmm. sometimes my like community doesn't necessarily match the changes that are happening in me, but feeling more home in my body, um, it's wild. And I never experienced that before. And so it was hard and it was scary and all these other things. There's all this like rhetoric around transitioning. And then I took that step into my own power and decided that this is the change that I wanted and I need it. And I'm so grateful. So beautiful. What about you? I think that I learned to navigate change really well because of my family and my parents were very young when they had my sister and I, and they were still growing. And so change was a constant for me from the time I was little. We moved at least every two years, mm-hmm. if not sooner, when I was growing up. Um, and then my parents separated and divorced a couple times when I was in my teen years. And at the time, that was very difficult, of course. Like, all that's always hard on kids. And quite honestly, change is hard on kids. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. And at the same time, I remember having an argument with my mom when I was in my early 20s. I don't remember what the topic was, but I remember her coming back to me. And I was upset about longing for stability and wanting my parents to be more stable for mm-hmm. me. And, and my mom responded with the definition of a stable as a place that you keep a horse. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know if it was terribly helpful at the moment, but I, I remembered it as like, okay, you know, there's this ideal and this cultural ideal that family, especially in like this 1950s U.S. utopia, is this stable, unchanging mother in the kitchen, father going to work, and as you grow, always there, always the same to come back to. And the truth is that that's not the reality for most people. And and that was really based in a fictional narrative. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
even as a young person and and especially in my 20s, I realized how important it was to let go of those myths uh, that anything was stable and unchanging right. and and just love the people around me. And, and so accepting that, that change was inevitable, um, but also finding a healthy relationship with it because I, I also feel like constant change can be unhealthy. So there's this, and there's no black and white formula for the right amount of change or the wrong amount of change. We know it. We feel it. We have to move in it and with it in relationships. And so that's what I think about when I think about change. And the result for me has been that I'm pretty able to go with the flow, Mm -hmm. which I think is a huge gift really in life. I'm, I'm really grateful for the gift that I was taught by what could be perceived as instability because it taught me to let go of that myth at an early age. And to your mom's credit, like from the horse's perspective, the stable is probably a prison, right? And so if you think about it in that sense of like, you know, like it keeps the horse, you know, kind of in one place for us, but that's not necessarily the horse's natural environment. And so what is that? And I know like that analogy can go so many different places, but I think <laughs> I really do think it's important. Like, I don't know. I like I that response of like, nature. Yeah. yeah, you know, like yeah. stability and kind of this like we're here and we never move unless someone brings us out and like all these other things. And it's like, but that's not how life works. And that's not how we were, in my opinion, like structured to kind of be yeah. in this life. I think we kind of need both. And you know, I love having a home base, a stable for myself to go to as long as it feels free and, you know, has a comfy couch and good art, <laughs> some plants. Right. Um, no, but I and but I also need this freedom and the open pasture and and the changing weather and earth. And to me, so much of it is more of a dance or a rhythm than one or the other right I just I guess I don't think that change has to be necessarily chaotic right and so it's not that I'm anti-stability or inviting folks to be in consistent chaos that's not that's not it it's more so out of this like yes like we should be housed right like that is the thing that should happen right Folks shouldn't have to move daily or hourly or monthly or yearly. Like we should be able to afford those things. And though we should be open to changing our policies around housing to make sure that everyone has a place. Right. So like those two things for me can be in unison and they don't have to necessarily be chaotic. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. All right. So if you have enjoyed this conversation, Um, We want to hear from you, first off. Uh, A couple of the changes that we are doing as we continue to grow and change as Complexified. One, Lex is going to be with us for every episode this season. (laughs) And also we are trying to push ourselves into social media and news spaces. So look for us on TikTok and Instagram and Instagram Reels and Facebook, of course, still there. We are also starting to play with the ideas of 
discussion guides and and spaces for you all to engage with us, with each other, to talk about the things that you're hearing and the things you're thinking as you listen to Complexified. So watch for all that. And as we go into this next season, we're going to be doing every other week of releasing an episode. And on the odd week, we will have things going out on social media for you to engage. When we get into season three, we are going to be talking about theologies of change and change in politics and generational change, as well as changing bodies and changing culture And an episode that we are both super excited about, we are going to talk about tools for supporting change, including venturing into the topic of psychedelics, psychedelics (laughs) here in Colorado. We just legalized uh, the use of psilocybin mushrooms and there is so much talk about these psychedelic different psychedelics being tools for helping us navigate things like change and and actually supporting our brain through those processes so these are all the things we're going to dig into we can't wait to keep on moving yeah so excited make sure you check us out on tiktok because i'm working really hard on those (laughs) (laughs) it's a big learning curve but we're figuring it out (laughs) sweet thanks amanda thank you lex Thanks so much for joining us. For resources and ideas and links to that TikTok and social media pages, visit our website in the show notes. And if anything in this conversation inspired you, please share it with a friend. That is the best way to support us and to get the word out. Complexified is presented by the Institute for Religion, Politics, and Culture at Iliff School of Theology. Working hard behind the scenes is our engineer, Andrew Perella, producer, Elaine Appleton-Grant, Tina Basir, and the rest of the crew at Podcast Allies. I'm Amanda Henderson. I'm Lex Dunbar. 